Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down! How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show for a very, wow, just a crazy, crazy, crazy Thursday show. We are live, as always, on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings of the people's producer, the head honcho. I am talking about, of course, backdraft Chris Klim. What's up, Craig? Klim, what a freaking day today, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I have no words. It's just been an insane, insane, insane day. The fallout um, from the shooting for uh, Jacob Blake, is that his name? Yes. I'm sorry if I... You know, I, I forgot, <laughs> but, um, you know, the fallout from the Jacob Blake shooting continues. NHL canceled their games tonight, which means no Islander game in protest. Uh, basketball, the Celtics canceled their playoff game tonight against um, against the Raptors. And uh, Major League Baseball has been canceling games. The Red Sox canceled their game. Phillies Nationals postponed. A's Rangers postponed. Still no word yet if the Mets are postponing their game tonight against the Marlins, which takes place in about 90 minutes. So they might want to make up their mind pretty soon. So the Marlins could get on a plane and get out of here. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, this is just, this is the time we're living in folks. This is unfortunately players, people are just fed up. And, you know, Clem and I were just talking about it before we started setting up the show. There's so many different stories going around. There's so many different this and that. I'm not sure what to believe anymore because it's just really tough to believe everything. People are trying to tell stories to fit their narrative of how things work. And look, at the end of the day, here is the bottom line. The cop shot the guy seven times in the back. And that's what people will remember the most. But we're going to get into that a little bit later. And because uh, we have a lot of other things to talk about, we're going to, but this is going to be our discussion of the afternoon. On the show, as always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. Follow the A1 Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, as always, you can subscribe to the show courtesy of Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, shows will be sent to you automatically once they are uploaded to the system. Clem, if you get any comments, let me know. All right. Because um, I don't, I'm not able to see the comments because I'm just looking at the Facebook right now. I'm just focusing more on the Zoom that we're doing, the Zoom meeting, rather than being on Facebook. Okay. Okay. So if you get anything, just, you know, pipe in whenever you're ready. And there's that. All right. So as always, we're going to do our agree and disagree portion. We have a little multiple choice action today with over some topics coming up. Trade deadline is on Monday for baseball. Uh, Minor deal made today by the Toronto Blue Jays getting Taiwan Walker from the Mariners. So the Blue Jays look like, not to say Taiwan Walker signals an all-in mentality, but I think if the Blue Jays really weren't in at all, they would probably not be making a trade for a pitcher. Right. They'd just be kind of going with the motions and seeing where the chips fall. Brody was on uh, Evan and Joe this afternoon, and uh, he said that he doesn't see it likely that they will trade a top-line prospect 
for a rental or for, you know, so now that doesn't necessarily mean the Mets will be quiet at the trade deadline. However, with Brody, you just never really know because, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of a, a gunslinger. He's a bit of a loose cannon for the, for as a general manager. And um, if the deal presents himself that he thinks he likes it, then he's going to probably do it. And so there's that. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny, Clint, before we get into the agree-disagree. So as you know, today, the Jets made a minor move. The Jets canceled practice today. They were one of many teams as well that canceled their practice today. Players didn't seem that they were interested in practicing. Uh, I know the Packers were a team that canceled. Washington canceled. Uh, a few other teams canceled as well. So um, there was that. But the Jets made a minor move today. I don't know if you saw it. But basically, they acquired um, Kalen Ballage from the Miami Dolphins for a seventh round pick in this year's draft. Conditional, by the way. So here's the thing. Ballage is a Gase guy. Gase really likes him. He hasn't really been a very good running back for Miami. The crazy thing is in 2018, he had his best year under Gase, where he had five and a half yards per carry. But a lot of people attest that to really one touch, one run of 75 yards. But it makes sense because of the attempts. He didn't have a lot of attempts. Um, the funny thing about this trade is I have never seen Jet fans so frustrated with a trade in my life because I get it because they were going to waive him anyway. And maybe the Jets thought that somebody was going to claim him. Highly possible. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they wouldn't, you know, that somebody wouldn't claim him and maybe Gase wanted him. So whatever. And not for nothing, Clem, it's a seventh round pick. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is exactly what I'm talking about. What do you care about a seventh round pick, which could be a guy that you're not going to, that's not going to make the team anyway? Right. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. It was just a little bit stunning when, you know, we already have our running back room with Gore, Bell, and P. Ryan. You know, it was just like. But also at the same time, keep in mind one thing too. We have a few weeks until training camp, until the season starts. Jets players have been dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're down four receivers. Now we lost our linebacker, Patrick Anwasser. He's going to have surgery, so he's going to miss time. I don't know if he's missing the season or not. But, um, you know, another guy that's injured. And guys are dropping like flies all around the league, man. Guys are getting hurt left and right. You know, and I think it's a testament. I think it's to the fact that they didn't have the mini camps. They didn't have really the conditioning camps. They haven't played in preseason games. So it's really left out to being scrimmages. I mean, this season could be bad in the sense that guys are going to get hurt this year because they can't, you know, they're not going to stay healthy. They haven't really had the time. They haven't had the, you know, playing games or playing. And, you know, they should have been in pads weeks ago. Yeah. You know, they only started getting into pads a few days ago. That's not really a lot of time to prep for a season. But look, at the end of the day, I'm convinced that Adam Gase could cure cancer and Jet fans would hate it. So it really wouldn't matter. And it was funny because yesterday I got into it with a Jets fan. Nice guy. You know, was, we, were, we were having a friendly debate. It wasn't anything like vicious or anything like that. And I had made a comment. I, I made a comment about, I think it was about Bell, which we'll get into in a minute. And I had said, I don't understand why this is being such blown out of proportion. It's just practice, you know. And the guy wrote back. He said, well, if it was practice, why does Gase have to lie about Bell's injury? He's the worst coach ever. So I wrote back and I wrote, worst coach ever? Eh, I disagree. I said, Todd Bowles was just as bad, was probably worse than Adam Gase. 
And I said, there are plenty of other coaches who have been 10 times worse than advocates. And the guy wrote back, are you serious? Bowles was offense was good. Gase had the worst offense in the league. Fair enough. I looked it up. Bowles' offense was better than Gase's last. You know, I think his offense was ranked 19th under Morton, which was pretty, fairly decent. But here's the difference. In three years of Todd Bowles, Gase had three different offensive coordinators. He had Chan Gailey his first year. He had John Morton his second year. And he had um, Jeremy Bates his last year, which was the first year under Darnold. And the funny thing about it is, is that there were plenty of moments in Gase's, in Bowles's three years where he looked clueless. Oh, yeah. He looked incredibly clueless. The team looked woefully unprepared for games. And he really had this lackadaisical, really dumbfounded look on his face all the time. And to me, that, that's all you need to know. And look, I'm not going to get into a contest because Jets fans are just going to be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, whatever. I need to give Gase time. I don't know what I have with Adam Gase right now. Jet fan, this is the problem I always have is just like, I always find that fans have a tendency to run coaches out of the league so fast. Mm -hmm. And then they sit there and wonder why none of the good coaches want to come here. I mean, I'm not blaming the fans for that, but I'm saying you just see stuff like that. And when it goes from Todd Bowles now to Adam Gase. And the thing is, is like just now, like I said, and Jet fans are only happy when they're miserable. So a lot of times it's like, they make a minor trade for a conditional seventh round pick. Meaning if the guy doesn't make the team, we get the pick back. In many ways, it's kind of a, it's a win-win. If the guy does really well in, in camp, then, you know, we, we lose a guy, we lose a pick for a player who's probably not going to make the team anyway. If he doesn't make the team, we get the pick back anyway. I, I don't understand why everybody's freaking out about this one trade. And I'm assuming it's just a slow, slow sports day. It, oh, I, well, it definitely is. We know that because, you know, no games were played last night. And the only other thing to talk about in the, in the sporting world is people boycotting games and the games game postponed. But other than that, you know, people want to take their mind off it and they have they need something else to complain about. And this is and this is it. I just think, you know, Jet fans in general, they they see what's been going on with the wide receiver core, you know, with Mims going down with an injury, with uh, Perryman having an injury. Yeah. And, not really having a strong wide receiver core. I think maybe they think like, you know, we should be, if we should be making any moves, it should be for a wide receiver, not a running back when our running back core is actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, listen, P Ryan has looked very good so far. Gore's looked really good and bells look and bells look good. You know, does it really hurt to have another running back Clem? Like, are we really sitting here going, eh, you know, is this guy really going to take carries from Le'Veon Bell? No, but going to take, carries from Frank Gore. Like I said, it's for a seventh round pick. Seventh, not first, not second, seventh. For a guy who will most likely, 90% certain he's not making the team. You agree? I agree. It's not It's not a bad move, but it was just a little bit of a it's a nothing move. It's not a move that you really need to criticize. That's my point. It's oh, not, yeah. it's not I, a move that it's like, it's going to reshape the entire roster, you know? And the thing is, is like some guy wrote on Facebook, well, why don't they trade for a wide receiver? Yeah. And teams know you need wide receivers. So you're going to be, you're going to be giving up a lot more for an average, a mediocre wide receiver. See what I mean? It's just like, none of it makes sense to me. 
It's like it's a nothing move. It's a move that doesn't signal anything. It doesn't signal that Le'Veon Bell's leaving town. It doesn't signal anything. I think it's just a move they made because they just wanted to get him. They were afraid maybe a team would would snatch him up, and they wanted him. That's it. He's a 24-year-old running back who played, you know, who didn't have, who was terrible last year. But, I mean, come on. Just give me a break. But like I said, if you look at the Jets' Twitter all day, bro. Oh, I know. It was like, you know, oh, Gase is the worst. Gase is terrible. I mean, I can understand if he starts the guy week one for you to be mad. <laughs> okay. But I mean, holy crap, man. They really got to relax. They seriously do. They need to chill out with the caffeine or smoke a joint or something like that. It, what's that? <laughs> I said Jet fans and Met fans included, they love to jump off the bridge as soon as something that they don't agree with happens, you know? They like, love being miserable. They just love it. They love everything about it. Like last night, I know it sucks that Jacob DeGrom didn't get the win, but the Mets won the game. Yeah. <laughs> they won the freaking game, Clem. And oh. fans are still complaining about Jacob DeGrom not getting the win. And listen, DeGrom pitched fantastic. You know, he's, you know... Nothing more you could say about Jacob DeGrom. And it's like, and, and it's a little frustrating, of course, because the bullpen didn't hold the lead and, and whatever, but the Mets won the game. They won. And they're still in the wild card race. They're only like two and a half games out of the wild card race. So it's like, what more do you guys want? I saw it all over social media last night. I saw in, in the Facebook pages I'm into, Mets fans were just like, oh, Jacob, if I was Jacob DeGrom, I would demand a trade. If I was Jacob DeGrom, I would just sit out the rest of the season. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, okay, wait. So don't mean to interrupt. So this is breaking news, apparently. Ooh, breaking news. Okay. According to – this is on Twitter. Somebody just posted this. I don't know. But apparently Manfred was trying to get the Mets to pull a stunt before the game today. And walk off the field at seven ten, and Brody kind of called him out and said like, kind of like no or something like that, because some somebody wrote Rob Manfred is trying to force the Mets to pull a social justice awareness stunt tonight by having the players symbolically leave the field at seven ten before returning an hour later to play at eight ten, even though the players don't want to play tonight. And some guy wrote back, much respect to Brody for calling out the asinine antics asked by the commissioner, regardless if he knew it was going on to the entire world. What an idiot, man. Like, how this is why people hate Rob Manfred. This is exactly some dumb shit that he that he pulls. Why you either tell the Mets, hey, you know, everything is going on, you're not playing a game tonight. Tell them that there's no need to like play some mind tricks, be like, you know what, you should do this. I'm not saying you, I'm I'm not demanding you, but you should do this. Brody's like, what the, and I don't blame Brody. Screw you, man. If I'm going to play some baseball, we're going to play some baseball. That's exactly what Brody said. Either tell us we're not playing or... According to it, it was like the Mets... It's pretty obvious the Mets players don't want to play. And if you don't want to... If you don't believe me, just watch the... uh, Watch the uh, Dom Smith interview after the game last night. I saw that, yeah. Starts crying. And the thing is, you know what? Let's do the discussion thing now since we're already talking about it. Okay? Because this is kind of a big deal. And... You know, the NBA started yesterday with the Bucks boycotting the game last night, and then all the other games were canceled. You know, when they interviewed the Islanders after they lost their game last night, Andrews Lee had pretty much said, we didn't even know about it until after we got off the ice. So there wasn't a lot we could do. I mean, they're not going to walk off the ice mid-game. Yeah. So, with that, 
And then a few of the baseball teams, the Seattle Mariners canceled their game last night. And I didn't know this, but the Seattle Mariners have the most um, black players on their roster, which I was not aware of. Not to say that, you know, we're counting. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, but that's an interesting stat. And I think that's a pretty noble thing for the Mariners to do because they're, they're representing the number, you know, they're, they're showing respect for their black players by canceling their game in, you know, in protest of this shooting. Good for them. You know, the, um, and then today, like we said before, the, um, the A's and Rangers have canceled their game. The Nats and the Phillies have canceled their game. I think the Mets are canceling their game today. I don't know if they're playing. Um, it's, it's really tough to tell. I think there are some teams playing. I know the Orioles are playing their game tonight because the Orioles wanted to play and everything. And, but the NBA's protest is pretty much done. They're going to go back to playing probably tomorrow. And, but the question becomes for the Islanders, do they have to play three games in a row? Do they play tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday? Or are they going to move this game, the one that was supposed to be tonight, to like a Tuesday to give them an off day? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know what will happen, but I do know, like, and the NHL, what's the NHL's uh, commissioner's name again? Gary Bettman. Yeah, Bettman. He's been getting, he's got it right so far with this NHL postseason. So I, I have I, I have full confidence that, you know, he'll set it up in some way where like maybe the Islanders do have to play two games in a row and then just maybe a day off in between and that. But I uh, I I can't see them playing three games in a row. That'd be that'd be too crazy for these NHL, especially especially with the Islanders too, because they've been playing since the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're, they're, their bodies are getting beat up. So I, I I doubt they 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 give them a th- uh, three games in a row. You know, one thing that Clem and I always say, you know, we've said it before, we always support the boys in blue. We always support police. I would never want to see a state that defunds police where police don't exist. Okay. Because quite frankly, we need them. Without them, we don't survive the night. Okay. We don't survive. And that's a fact. So I will always respect the police officers like on Long Island, anywhere, Nassau County, Suffolk County, all of New York, state troopers, anywhere in the United States of America, overseas, doesn't matter. They put their lives on the line for us every day to protect us. And for that, I'm, on behalf of Clem and myself, as well as everyone else, I'm sure we're thinking the same thing. You know, we always appreciate the hard work that the NYPD does for this state, for the city. We always appreciate the hard work that the Nassau County Police does and Suffolk County Police and even the local police, the Limbrook cops, you live in Glen Cove, they have their own police force, okay? Because again, without them, we're not gonna live through the night, man. It'd be pure chaos. And you can't have that in this world. You can't have it regardless. And what we always say on this show is, is that we know there are tons and tons of good, hardworking police officers. People who go every night on their beat and they say to themselves, I really hope I make it through the night. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, they don't know. They don't know what they're walking into sometimes. Okay, sometimes nights are easy. Sometimes nights are difficult. And all they want to do is do their job, uphold the law to the best of their ability, and go home and see their families, or just go home and just be grateful for another day that they're alive. But this shooting definitely raises a, a flag because, again, it puts more 
The problem, I, the main issue I have with it in general is, is that it's going to paint all police as bad. And that's what it shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Because like I just said, there are plenty of great cops who work their butts off every night, who do the overtime to make sure we are safe. Now, I don't know if it's a case of they need to start training better. I don't know what it is. I really don't. But people are fed up. And when people are fed up, people are angry. Now, I don't agree with the rioting. I don't agree with the looting. I don't agree with setting fires and all that stuff, turning over cars. I mean, assaulting people. God forbid, don't assault people. You know, then it just looks bad. Because you know why, Clem? Then it becomes less about the cause. Why are you out there? Mm-hmm. You're out there because you want to peacefully protest for inequality, racial, in, racial injustice. That's why you're out there. But the minute you start firebombing stores to steal stuff, it doesn't become about the cause anymore. Right. It becomes about you wanting, a, feeling a sense of entitlement to free shit. And that's a fact. And that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Okay. But here's the problem, Clem. And I know people might disagree with my opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. You know, NFL athletes, NBA players, they kneeled for the national anthem and everybody had a conniption about that. Every, you know, they locked arms on the sideline before kickoffs of games and everybody had a conniption about that too. Okay. Everybody had a conniption about every little thing, putting messages for racial injustice on their jerseys. They had a conniption about that too. So my question becomes, what can people do then that will please the other side? And the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing because it doesn't matter. And this is exactly the problem I have because When you're asked to wear a mask so you don't infect other people to go to the supermarket or to go to go get a pizza or to go do this, you know what happens? Oh, you're violating my constitutional rights. I shouldn't have to do that. Screw you. I shouldn't have to wear a mask where I go. If I want to not wear a mask, I'm entitled to not wear a mask. Okay. Well, these people are doing exactly the same thing. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic are all doing the same thing. They're they're enforcing their constitutional right to protest. COVID be damned, Mm -hmm. okay? They're enforcing their constitutional right to send a message by kneeling for the national anthem because they're not happy with what's going on in the world. These NBA players are enforcing their constitutional right show freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, okay? To walk off the court if they feel there's been, the, there's been racial injustice. So why is it okay for you to play that card, but it's not okay for them to do that? All of a sudden, they're prima donna players who make millions of dollars. But since I'm a schmuck who makes 50 grand a year, it's okay for me to not wear a mask to enforce my constitutional right. Why is it okay for them and not them? Right? It's like I said. And that's where it's, a, it's the worst freaking double standard you will ever see in your life. And that's why we're in the shithole we're currently in right now. That's why we're in the bottomless pit 
of garbage that we're in right now in this country. It's never been this bad. Not, not at least while I was on this earth. I mean, it's it's just it's just crazy. The more the more shit I keep seeing, I'm just like I've been on this. I look. I obviously I don't know as much as I haven't been alive as much as long as you have. But from what I'm seeing, I mean, this this country's fucked. It really, it really is. It really is. There's simple. no leadership at the top, Clint. That's the big problem. That, and again, do you have you heard Donald Trump come out and condemn the shooting? You have not. When the chief of whatever on Twitter was saying that it was basically the protesters' fault that this guy got shot, you know how freaking ignorant that sounds. It, it's beyond ignorant. Beyond. This country's fucked, and I, you know, I'm a big Trump guy. You know, that's my thing. We don't, we don't talk politics on this on this show, but I, and, and it's just like no matter who it is, whether it's Trump or Biden that gets in next, I, th- I think we're screwed either way. No matter what happens, like no, not, nothing, nothing is going to go right for the United States for the next five years, and it's, 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 it really is just fucked. <laughs> I mean, listen, to be honest, I've always been the type of guy that votes with my gut. Yeah. I don't pick a side. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I guess I'm independent, but I just vote with my gut. That's how I've always been. I voted for George Bush and I voted for Barack Obama. This past election, I voted for Hillary Clinton because quite frankly, I thought she was the lesser of two evils. And the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, Biden's not going to fix this in four years. If he wins the election, if he wins the election, because it's still a good possibility that Trump's going to win. Yeah. I don't count him out for anything. But again, because you know what? He, while Hillary Clinton was kind of sitting there thinking she had it in the bag, he went out there and campaigned. Exactly. He went out there and campaigned and he kept campaigning and he, and he fought and he fought. And quite frankly, he deserved to win the election in 2016. I'm not ashamed to admit that. You know, I didn't want him to win, but. She got lazy. Then the email thing came out at the right time. He seized an opportunity, won the election. I'm not going to disagree with him there. I'm not going to dispute that. Whether we know Russia interfered with the election, there's no question about that. I mean, that's a, that's a given. And I, we know he's involved in that in some way, shape, or form. Okay? But at the end of the day, he won the election. And it's over. You, it's four years ago. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's not... He is not the type of president that can bring people together. That's the problem. Okay. He has yet to bring police unions and community activists together to try to talk about what's going on. He's just fanning the flames. And it's not about whether he's a racist or not. It's just, he's not doing anything to bring people together. He would rather see it burn it, burn down and then blame the Democrats for it. He's not, I'm sorry, he hasn't. Let me ask you a question. All kidding aside, if Barack Obama were president right now, how much better off would we be? Give me your honest opinion. Pandemic, and would you see crap like this on a daily basis? Probably not on a daily basis. Pandemic, I have no idea. I I don't know what the, I don't. you, you, You believe that there would be a better plan. Yeah, I, I maybe I think so. like again, I, I you but we, we, again the, with the pandemic, we truly don't know. We heard back in March when it all started that it was going to last only a month, and all yeah, this. But again, think about who's telling you that though. And the problem is again, when you don't listen to the scientists, you don't listen to the epidemiologists. It's a big deal, man. 
You're telling everybody you're smarter than them. And like I said, we're now going into September. Next week is September 1st. And we are still nowhere close to finding, to figuring this out. We yeah. shouldn't be in a predicament right now where like, for example, sports are canceled for the fall for like high schools. Mm-hmm. These kids can't show off for, to get possible scholarships. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's, it's not a, a better situation. I mean, and, we, we, and we're not. And this is only making it worse. And the thing is, players are fed up. Black people are fed up. And I don't blame them. I don't. Yeah. Now look, we've heard a lot of conflicting stories about this, this case. I don't know what to believe. And that I was driving around last night really thinking about that. Because it's like, you know, I heard that, you know, oh, he was an innocent man, got shot seven times. I heard that. I heard he, had, he was reaching for a gun in his car. Heard that. Heard he had a knife in his hand. I heard this guy was a convicted felon, you know, sexual assault. He raped someone. All this stuff. I'm just like. But apparently, according to like th- that he was being. There's so many different stories. It's really tough to gauge who's right and who isn't. Yeah. So it's one of those things that unfortunately you're just going to have to formulate your own opinion. Now, neighbors are saying that he was start. He was breaking up a fight. Yeah. That's what I Somebody heard. Somebody else said that he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. He has a record. He had a warrant for um, a felony sexual assault, apparently, accordingly. I, I'll take, again, I don't know. So I'm going to take your word for it. If that's the case, then fine. What's done is done. But here's the ultimate problem I have. They shot him with a taser. It didn't work. Okay. Which is crazy enough because I would have probably just, I would just collapsed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many vol- volts are in those tasers, but... I'd like to think they're enough to take down anybody. So this guy's pretty, pretty strong in my opinion. Now, continuing, we have a situation where apparently he was reaching for a knife in the car. His back is still turned, okay? But then somebody else said he told the cop he had a knife in his car before the cop shot him. See what I mean? There's so many different stories. It's really tough to gauge. But at the end of the day, here's the fact. He was shot in the back seven times. Seven times. When somebody is facing, whether they're going, they're not, did he run? It wasn't like he was running away. At least I don't think he was running away. So why does the cop have to shoot him seven times? In the now, I can understand if, listen, I can understand at the end of the day, if he was a, like, if he grabbed the knife and tried to swing it at the police officer, then that makes sense. Maybe not seven times, but just the fact that the, that the cop had to unload his weapon, mm-hmm. had, to sh- had to fire a couple of shots, okay? But again, you see what I mean though? But this is just another and another. And the thing was, I was talking about it with my wife before and you know, she was like, well, the George Floyd thing. I was like, the guy kneeled on his neck for nine minutes. If you mean to tell me with three other police officers there, you cannot subdue this guy in nine minutes, in like 30 seconds, get the cuffs on him and you pick him up. Yeah. Okay. You kneel down his neck for nine minutes and everybody's videotaping it. And there's your first red flag. Everybody's got a camera. Everybody's looking to show a video to the news outlets. Okay. And the thing is, it's, you know, this is the sad part because there are plenty of people right now in this world that are immediately going to pigeonhole every police officer into the same pool. 
And that's not what you should be doing. No way. My brother-in-law is a cop. You know, he works in Suffolk County. And like every other police officer, he just hopes, you know, he just wants to get through a day of work and make sure that he gets home to his wife and soon to be, soon to be born son. Like I, it, it really, it, like I said, I'll keep saying this to people. I, I love this country. I love the United States. I love it. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's but, the country. It's so bad. Like, and uh, like you said, even if Biden does get elected, his four to eight years as potential president it will not fix this country, whatever it is. It, it's going to take a long time. We're going to be in the shitter for a while because, again, we have an economy that's in the crapper. We have another million people that filed for unemployment. Mm-hmm. So that's another problem. We're still at about 10 to 11% unemployment, which is still really bad. Okay. I mean, I just, I mean, there are industries right now that are destroyed. There are industries that are destroyed. My industry is destroyed. I don't know when hospitality will ever come back because nobody's traveling to New York anytime soon. Yeah. Not one person's traveling to New York anytime soon. And just to show you some of the ignorance of some like play at people, Brian Urlacher put this out today on Twitter and he got vilified for it. I saw, yeah, I saw. So for those of you who haven't seen it, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to ignorance, it comes to just being very naive to the situation. Because in my opinion, one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. He tweeted out, Brett Favre played the Monday night football game the day his dad died through four TDs in the first half and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. Okay. Again, don't know he was reaching for the knife. We don't know. We don't know what happened. Okay. But this goes to show you like the ignorance of it all. Yeah. Okay. You're trying to like make it okay. And I don't give a shit about Brett Favre. And if you want, somebody had the best like comeback. If one guy put dick pics and sent them to another employee. Remember when Brett Favre did that to that, that jet surger when he was on the Jets? That was so funny. Like you couldn't pull that shit when he was in Green Bay. <laughs> right? But again, it was just, that's exactly my type of thing. All right? But again, that it just all goes back to we don't know the real story. You know, we don't, we don't know it. And that's, and that's the problem. Because, you know, we support Black Lives Matter, but we also support blue. Like we said, we, we're blue lives matter as well. We're blue just as much. Exactly. We support, this is the thing. Our show, we support all lives because we're not stupid enough to think that one is bigger than the other. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, everybody knows. And if you don't know, then you're an idiot. Everybody knows all lives matter. Okay. But I have a simple question. What if the perpetrator was white? You think this guy's unloading on a white guy seven times? Back turned? Or even if even if it they do, it's not making national news. And that's, another, national news. That, that, that's, that's another problem, too. Exactly. And the thing is, it leaves itself up for interpretation. So somebody had wrote back, Jacob Blake was shot within three minutes of the cops showing up. Not enough time for them to get an ID or search for outstanding warrants. The knife was found on the floor of the car after he was shot. They conveniently didn't turn body cams on. I don't know about that part, but whatever. <clears throat> Brett Favre's dad wasn't shot by police. Okay? And again, we know that part. Yeah. 
The thing is, don't relate it to a quarterback who by choice, by choice, decided to play the day his dad died. Yeah. Okay? He made a choice on behalf of himself and no one else. Again, it just it, it, we just don't we don't we don't know the real story, and that's the problem too. Because I also saw another video unrelated to this, but it was two cops trying to apprehend a, a guy. He ended up getting out. He walked. The guy walked back to his car, got grabbed a gun, and shot both policemen. And I'm just like, you see, but and that and that's on like, you I see what I mean? No, but this is exactly why we don't automatically put all cops in the same boat where we say, you know, they're all, they're all garbage and they're all the same and all that. We don't do that because yeah. they're, it's not fair. It's not fair to the police of any state, of any County, of any village, state troopers, doesn't matter. Highway patrol doesn't matter. Okay. It's not fair. You can't do that. Okay. The crazy part about it is the guy was a seven year veteran that shot this guy. So you would think in seven years, you would know exactly how to handle you know, a suspect. But again, we, I mean, I just feel like there's going to be more to the story that keeps coming out, man. But you know what, though? I applaud the NBA players a thousand percent. I applaud the baseball players and then the hockey players for saying, you know what? This is bigger than our games. This is bigger than the playoffs. This is bigger than this. Okay. And to be honest, if I were the NBA, I would sit out the season to send the message. But see, people won't agree with that. I, 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 if you go back to playing basketball tomorrow. Then what's the message? I, I agree to that. Like, I agree. Like, there should be a message, but it's not like the NBA is in the wrong here or anything like that. Because the NBA, more probably more than any of the other uh, big four leagues in the United States, have done more than enough to show their support for Black Lives Matter. Done more than enough to you know support the communities. Players have, you know, they were in the peaceful protests and everything like that. If they were to postpone, like, and I get it. I get the message they would be trying to send if they were to cancel the season. I get that 100%, and I get why they boycotted it. But I feel like you're taking it out on the people who use sports. And we were talking about this earlier on in shows when, you know, before these uh, seasons started. People use sports to take their mind off of this kind of stuff in the country. They use it to, like, they want to they watch LeBron James score 30 points and get 20 rebounds in a night or Giannis be the, uh, be the MVP. You know, they want to see all that stuff and they're not, they're not being selfish in any way, but they're kind of depriving the fan like myself, like you, like the other, like the average fan of getting to enjoy that and be like, you know what, what happened to uh, Jacob Blake is terrible. What happened to George Floyd is terrible, but I'm, I need to take my mind off this and watch some NBA basketball. I need to watch some, some NHL. I need to watch some MLB. And that's fair. And listen, I don't think, I don't think players would want to sit out the season anyway, unless it was like so bad that it was just like, they have no choice. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, it sends a very powerful message that athletes are willing to do this. I mean, the other day they interviewed Bradley McDougal from the jets and he pretty much said point blank. Once I leave one jets drive, I'm just an ordinary black guy who's driving home from, from practice. These cops don't know who I am and I have dreads and who knows what they think. And I'm not, you know, he wasn't implying that every cop will look at him in a bad way, but he doesn't know what cop is going to pull him over. He might get the bad cop and, you know, he might get the good cops. I don't know. It's the same thing with the cops. You know, they don't know who's going to roll up on them and, you know, just flat out shoot because they're cops. You know, it's again, the country's this country's fucked. It's, It's so bad. It's not even funny, man. Yeah. 
And I mean, again, and look about it, we're in a year of, you know, but think about it. People think a lot of this stuff is planted, you know? Yeah. A nut job conspiracy theorists think this is all just like something that's orchestrated by rich white people or by the left or whatever it is. Do you really think the left would burn the country down just to get Donald Trump out of office? You can't possibly be serious. <laughs> I don't believe that. But like I've heard people say like Trump can cure cancer tomorrow and Democrats would find a way to be like, oh, well, why would he do that? Like, it's just again, it's Fair just. Enough. But I also think they would, you know, look. Here's the problem, and this is why nothing ever gets done in this country, because both sides can never just come together and say, okay, let's hammer this out. Why is a stimulus package taking so long to get done? People need money. People are going to be evicted from their, from their homes. Why is it taking so long to get these people money? Okay? Because Democrats and Republicans have no clue how to work together. They're always working against each other, and then they're always finger-pointing on television. doesn't matter where they go. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it's all the same shit. That's why nothing ever gets accomplished in this country. And we shouldn't be the country that everybody is laughing at right now. Oh, Everybody we... is laughing at us. Oh, everyone's laughing at us. Oh, yeah. my God. It's not even funny. Everybody. And that's embarrassing. That should be embarrassing enough for both sides, Republican and Democrat. Okay? And it shouldn't matter what party you belong to or whatever. But the fact is, is it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Yeah, exactly. It's going to get worse. And like, like you said, whether, yeah, Biden, whether Biden gets elected for the next 48 years, he can't do it. There's nothing he can probably do. If Trump gets elected again, the country's probably going to burn down. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a civil war again. Like, it's, it's just like, again... This country is just so fucked, and this is coming from a guy who I, I don't I don't have any stake in politics. I hate talking politics. Me too, because people hate, are very sensitive. Exactly, I hate talking politics. I hate like this is why we come on here and we do a sports show because this is where we get. This is what we know. So we love talking about and everything like that. And it's just I like I have friends who are cops. I have friends who are Marines. And I, but I also, you know, have people, oh, I also know people who support Black Lives Matter and support uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's Here's the problem. If you're protesting peacefully, then I have the utmost respect for you. Yes. When it turns into looting a Nike store because you want the new Air Jordans, then I have a problem with that. Yeah. And again, that rolls into the fact like, oh, not all, not all uh, protests are bad. Yeah, but because you have these these few bad protests, people think of you as, you know what, even the peaceful ones, you never know. Like in Glen Cove, where I'm from, there was a peaceful protest in Glen Cove, but because I'm part of the fire department, we were stationed at different parts of Glen Cove because God forbid something were to pop off, we needed to get there. You gotta be ready. No, I, that's, a, that's a very smart move. It was a, yeah, it was a, a, it was, it was, Listen, these outlets don't help either, you know, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, whether it's Fox News, because... Fox News will show you the carnage only. And then they'll turn around and say, oh, yeah, this is not peaceful. They're, they're saying it's peaceful. But how do you know it's all been nothing but firebombing cars and shops? Yeah. Okay? You're taking one isolated thing, which is bad enough, and you're, you're making it the narrative. Again, it's about fitting the narrative. And it's about, you know, blowing it out of proportion to make it seem like, whoa, everybody's, you know, everybody's doing this. Everybody's looting and rioting and everything. 
And then meanwhile, CNN and MSNBC may not show you that part, but they'll show you more video of people that are peacefully protesting, marching, wearing masks, you know, with signs and everything. See, it's like, it fits the narrative. Yeah, so the, the Republicans get all, the, the Republican voters get all pissy and they're like, well, you know, see what I mean? You know, these guys are just, you know, they're just, all they want is this. And that's where I draw the line. I don't, because the person who worked their ass off to build up their store, to build up their business and everything now sees it go up in shambles because some jerk felt a sense of entitlement to be mad and get free shit at the same time. That's where I draw the line. I hate that. It, it, look, it makes, and I feel, I feel bad for those people too, because even when it was going to get their business back, they're never going to get their business back. They let's say they're a pillar of the community for 20 somewhat years. doesn't matter because some jerk had felt a sense of entitlement to be angry about a shooting and he firebombed your store. Okay. And that's the stuff that's just, it's depressing. It really, no, it really, and it brings down your, it brings down your city and like you drive by and you're like, holy shit. Like Minneapolis, they're screwed for years. Minneapolis is absolutely screwed for years now. And I remember seeing one video when the Minneapolis, you know, riots were going on, you know, it happened to be, you know, an African-American man who owned a store was in the streets crying because his store that he built up, like you just mentioned, he it got it got destroyed. And he's like, I can't believe you guys were doing this to me. I'm an African-American man, blah, 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 blah all this stuff. And I, I felt so bad for this guy. I'm That's like, a lot of people got pissed off with the L.A. riots in 92 when Rodney King's uh, the cops were, were acquitted of beating Rodney King during a traffic stop. And they, and they were caught on video literally beating the crap out of this guy. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is like at the end of the day, the problem was, and they were, and listen, people were angry. They had every right to be angry at the verdict. But the problem was, Clem, they destroyed their own neighborhood. Yeah. They didn't go to Rodeo Drive and, you know, go berserk stealing fur coats and all that stuff or harassing people, rich people. They destroyed their own neighborhood. And that's what was depressing about it because most of the shops in the neighborhood, hardworking people who busted their ass to build their business and they watch it all go up in smoke like that. And that's what was depressing about it. And this is what makes it depressing. This is why I hate the looting and the rioting. I hate that because again, it's no longer about the cause. It's no longer about your protesting racial injustice taking it out on somebody's shop who had nothing to do with it, who might actually share the same opinion as you, yeah. to me is just flat out wrong. It is. You know, that police is flat out wrong. You need police. You need police. I'm sorry, you need police. And you may not love their tactics a lot of times, but trust me, you need them. It's very important to anything. Then we should never have firemen again and let people set fires. Oh, no problem. Well, that was another thing too. Like I'm seeing some videos, like I said, I'm a fireman. I fire, I, I follow a bunch of fire, uh, like fire department pages on Instagram and whatnot. And when these riots were going on, they were the one fire. I forgot where it was, but one fire department was trying to get to a fire where there was, but these protesters were not letting the fire truck down the, down the road. I'm like, got to be freaking kidding me like it's not even they weren't even they weren't even policemen they were there was a fire department they're trying to go put out the fire trying to stay literally save lives and the these protesters were not doing it i was like you gotta be freaking kidding me man 
you know, but those are the things that are just, they're not helpful. They hurt yeah. more than they help. Then you're not, again, it's not about the cause anymore. It's not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay. Like you would, you would rather, you would rather, you know, do it the right way. Like the thing that always bothers people about Trump is he tear gassed peaceful protesters to take a photo op in front of a church. Those protesters were not going to burn the church down at that point or anything. And you hear the tear gas go off when he's doing his speech. Remember that on the Rose Garden? Okay. So what was the point of your, of your whole thing? You know, like, what was the whole point? And then on top of that, the Bible's upside down. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and that's just him making himself look like an asshole. Because, you know, that's just, that's who he is. He doesn't care. You know, he can't quote the Bible, just like I can't quote the Bible. But the difference between me and Donald Trump is I don't sit there and talk about how the Bible is my second favorite book of all time, you know, or my all-time favorite book. A person who says that should know some passages. Yeah. But again, it just, it stops being about the cause. And that's what frustrates me the most. So everything everybody else is doing goes to shit because somebody decided to break the window of a footlocker or a Macy's just because they want to get free stuff. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's a pretty powerful message at the end of the day that it's sent by the athletes, especially if you saw Kenny Smith yesterday on the NBA pregame, he walked off the set yeah. during, during a live broadcast with Ernie Johnson. I saw. You know, because they're fed up. They're fed up. They're tired. It's like, when is enough enough? Yeah. We barely just got over or started getting over. The wounds were barely starting to heal for the George Floyd. And then this happens, you know? I mean, I don't know what else, what other messages need to be sent at this point. I have no idea. I can't figure it out. Yeah. Neither do I. Like I said, this country's fucked. So it's kind of funny. So we're going to take, now we're going to go actually do our sports portion of the day. <laughs> kind of funny how... Brody Van Wagenen is getting praised for like not caving to Manfred because this hot mic thing is now turned into a big deal. Okay. Apparently Manfred and was, was caught on a hot mic talking to Van Wagenen about the walk, walking off the field at seven ten, mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, kudos to Brody for doing this. I'm like, you hated this guy yesterday. Now all of a sudden you're like, you're showing him props. So it's, it's literally so much polar opposites, you know? <laughs> for Mets fans, it's like they'll love someone. The even Yankee fans, dude. This is just New York fans in general. Like they'll they'll hate someone the the next the one day, but they'll love them the next day. Again, I'll revert back to Stan. Stan, he, they were booing him out the stadium week one. Following a couple of weeks, he started playing good, and they were like, "Oh my god, this is our savior right here. We love we love John Carl Stan." You know, but it's like. So somebody wrote this guy I used to work with Paul. Nice kid, nice kid. He's he's always he was always cool with me. So I'm not I wouldn't never rip him apart or anything like that. But he basically had written something. I wish I could find it. I'm gonna pull him up real quick. Here. He made it. He made a fair point, but he was also in some ways he was kind of wrong. So he wrote, BBW got caught with a hot mic saying something he didn't actually want to say publicly and is now being heralded. That's a bit weird. Sure, what he said probably is true, but he didn't want anyone to know about it. Have the guts to say it to the masses. You see, that's kind of not fair. And the reason why I say that is because if that hot mic doesn't take place and Brody Van Wagenen tells everybody that, you know, he's not going to make it public that, oh, Manfred wanted me to do this and I said no, right? 
Hmm. Would you believe him anyway if you didn't have the evidence? Would you believe Brody if you didn't have if you didn't have the evidence? Especially Met fans who hate Brody. Yeah. No, they're not gonna they're not gonna believe him. They're gonna be like, oh, he's just saving his ass, he's covering his ass to please the team or some other bullshit. Okay. So the hot mic thing is actually a benefit to Brody Van Wagenen, and good for him for not caving to it. But again, it's just like, I, I get what people are saying. Like, here was another one today. This came from uh, our good friend, Mike Guido. Okay. And I like Mike, so let's, you know, I'm not trying, I would never, but he wrote, let me, give me one second. Nobody's ever happy anymore about anything. We live in a miserable world with miserable people. Part of me thinks it's masks. Okay, I'm just, I'll let that one stay there for, float there for a second. And we don't ever see anyone smiling randomly anymore. Honest question, does anyone see an end to this division? People are worse now more than ever. Here's why people are miserable in this world. For starters, a lot of people are out of work, okay? Sorry, but that's just the way it is. So you'll have to excuse me if I'm not happy about being out of a job, okay? Because I like having a job. I don't like being home, okay? So there's that. Second of all, it has nothing to do with masks. If people don't want to wear a mask, they don't have to wear a mask. If you get COVID, it's on you, okay? You could do the world a favor and just suck it up and take one for the team and wear a mask when you're going out to a public place. I don't know point player A from player B when I'm waiting online for something. So do me a favor, stay the fuck away from me if you're not wearing a mask, okay? So there's that. And there's a lot of division. And the reason why there's division is it's all at the top. When there's too much division at the top, that's what you're going to get. That's why people are miserable. We don't know where our next payment is coming from. We don't know when we're going to be able to go back to work against some of us more than others. Okay. Now I'm running the risk of sending my daughter to school in a few weeks for five days straight when there's no plan on how to keep them safe. Okay. So you, you have to excuse me if I'm not smiling more than normal with a lot of the crap that I'm dealing with, because with much respect to Guido, because he's a good guy, he's always been good to me, he's always been good to you. The fact is, is that he lives in a little bit of a different world. He doesn't have kids. He has a job as he has a job he loves. As I believe he's still on SB Nation. I have no idea if he is or not. But he doesn't have the same problems I do. So it's easy to make a comment like that when, you know, I don't know if he's living at home. I'm not knocking living at home. I used to live at home all the time. You know, I was a time in my life and I'm 42. You guys are in your 20s. So it's more common for you to be living at home than it would be for somebody else. Yeah. Okay. But I have to worry about sending my daughter to school five days a week with all she has armed with her is a mask, okay? The minute that somebody gets sick at the school, it's gonna be a massive shutdown. And then I gotta figure out how to stay home because my daughter has to stay home because my wife works, Yeah. okay? We don't have the luxury of just sending her to whoever we want to watch her. I'm collecting unemployment, which doesn't really cover a lot, but whatever, it's, I'm surviving. I don't know how long that's gonna last. I don't know when I'm gonna be back to work. I may be relevant, may have to take a job I don't wanna take yeah. just to get back to work. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So while I clearly respect his opinion and I value, you know, and listen, he's entitled to it. I respectfully disagree for that exact reason. 
We live in two totally different worlds, man. Okay. It's easier for him. Yeah. Okay. It's easier for him because he doesn't have a ton of overhead right now. Okay. He's, he's engaged. You know, his fiance is very nice. You know, we met her a few times when we were at worldwide. So she's very nice, very nice girl. But again, at the end of the day, it's like, we live in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have two kids and a mortgage over my head that I have to make sure I cover every month. That's a choice I made though. That is a choice I made. Right. Okay. I didn't wish to live in middle class. I wish to live where I had millions of dollars at my disposal, but I don't. Okay. This is who I am. So yeah, I'll be a little nervous and I'll be miserable because, you know, when you get older, you start to realize how miserable you are and you embrace it. That's the best part. You embrace it. (laughs) Okay. You totally embrace it because, you know, everybody has like the goal, right? It's like, you meet the girl, you get married, you have kids, you buy the house or vice or flop, flip flop C and D. Yeah. Okay. That's the American dream, right? We're happy to live after. Yep. Until you actually get there. (laughs) Okay. And listen, I love my family. I do. I love my kids. You know, they're good kids. But if you talk to half the parents in the world, they will tell you that they want to wring their kids' necks sometimes because they just push and they push and they push until there's nothing left to push. Oh, I know. I know me and my brothers, we frustrated my parents for, oh my God, for years. Too many. <laughs> the thing is, Clem, I will, you know, I'll tell you right now, the day will come where you'll meet that special someone, you will get married, you will want to start a family. And when you go out to other people's houses with your children, your children will be so well behaved and they'll be like, man, your kids are so great. They're so nice and everything. And I guarantee you the minute you get home, they go back to being shits again. <laughs> Is that how your kids are? They have a tendency to do that more times than not. <laughs> and we blame it on, we play the cards. Oh, they're tired. They had a long day. It's something about being home where they know they can go back to being turds. And they just, and they know because they know you're not going to do anything. And I love my kids. They're wonderful kids. I love them. Love home- them my heart and soul. That's why they got home field days. They know what they can get away with. But I will say one thing, and I will before we get into the whole sports part. At the end of the day, and you heard me say it to Isaac when Isaac was on the show a couple of weeks ago. I said, all the positives of being a dad will completely and always outweigh the negatives, and you will enjoy it. You will appreciate it a lot more. But there will be those days where you you literally want to wring their neck. <laughs> Oh, on that way, if you haven't been on Twitter recently, um, Tyler's back, and he wanted to remind the world that he said it back in December that the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to win the Stanley Cup. Ooh. Okay. Here, here's a bold prediction. The Ravens and the Chiefs are going to make it to the Super Bowl. Here's a bold prediction. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right, let's do sports now. We, we've gotten serious. We've been serious enough. What do you say? I'm down to talk some sports. Okay, it's time to do our agree or disagree portion of the program here on the Moffat on the Mike show. Uh, this was more of a longer show than normal because we just had a lot to get off our chest with this whole police brutality thing and just kind of, you know, sometimes you got to have those real moments in life because you look back on these moments and 
you know, but we are a sports show and we want to talk sports and we're thrilled to talk about sports and everything. So here we go, Clem. Are you ready? Agree or disagree? This is more of a New York state of mind version of agree or disagree. So without further ado, number one, agree or disagree, Clem. Le'Veon Bell was completely out of line disagreeing with Adam Gase on social media about his supposed hamstring injury. I agree. I think he, uh, no, I, I disagree because, you know, we just saw the whole hullabaloo with Jamal Adams on social media with going after Gase and everything like that. I don't think this is the right way. And we all know that, you know, everything that, uh, that Jamal Adams was saying, he was just by himself saying that no one else agreed with him, you know, and now that he's that, that now that Le'Veon Bell's coming out and saying all this shit on social media, about Gase, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think he, if he really had a problem with it, and uh, from what we've heard, him and Gase are on great terms, you know, blah 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 blah. blah. If he really had a problem with it, be like, yo, coach, uh, I don't agree with you do saying here and all this other stuff. Or why not make it private? Yeah, exactly. Make it private. You throw Adam Gase privately and say, hey, coach, you know, listen, I respect you, and you know. But, you know, I would appreciate it if you didn't really say that because I don't, I don't like, I don't like deceiving the, the media. Yeah. Or I don't like deceiving the fans and all that stuff. Okay. Here's why I'm going to agree. For starters, my problem with Le'Veon Bell was, was that you spent literally the past couple of weeks telling everybody that everything was cool with Adam Gase. You were, you know, you had never had an offensive coordinator before as a coach. So that was kind of new to you and everything, but you're cool with Gase and we're friends and we're talking about how to get me better involved in the offense, blah, blah, blah. And the list went on and on, especially after Adams got traded. Okay. Jet conspiracy theory fans can say, well, they probably just peddled them out there to say that or whatever, whatever. Believe what you want to believe. Okay. Personally, I don't give a crap because like I said, most people will just, it doesn't matter. Adam Gase could cure cancer and nobody, and people would hate him. Anymore, okay. And that's a fact. But the problem is, again, here's the reason why he's out of line. Ready? Right. He made it public. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. Okay? You don't need to go on Twitter every time you're not happy about something and voice your displeasure. You don't need to go on Twitter and say, well, you know, my hamstrings are fine. Everybody reads your Twitter account. Even players read your Twitter account. Teammates read your Twitter account. Okay. It does not have to be public knowledge every time you're upset. And we'll call it what it is. Maybe he was just not in a great mood and he wasn't happy about it or whatever. Now, in Gase's defense, he was not wrong for sitting him out. Mm -hmm. And you want to know why he's not wrong? Because guys are getting hurt left and right on the Jets right now. Four receivers out, injured. Mims, Cager, Vincent Smith, and um, who am I missing? Perryman. Perryman. Okay. Four receivers out. Le'Veon Bell is arguably your best offensive player right now. You cannot afford to lose this guy for an extended period of time. Give him the reps. He doesn't need 50 reps a game of practice. Make sure he gets the reps. Make sure he gets significant reps, mm -hmm. but not anything to the point where it's going to damage him. But that's my only reason. And that's why I'm taking Gase's side on this one. Because he made it public. Yeah. And the minute you make it public, it becomes a shitstorm. 
And now everybody's got an opinion about what happened. And all the Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase drama just starts right up again. Mm -hmm. And this is what I mean about a guy like Adam Gase. I think he gets a bad rap. I really believe that. Yeah, he definitely does. He's not freaking Weeb Eubank. We know that. We know he's not Bill Parcells. But for God's sakes, it's like the guy's a little quirky. And you guys rip him over every little shit thing. They made a trade for Kalen Ballage today, and everybody was having a heart attack on Twitter about it. Okay? You rip this guy for every little thing. It's like, when is enough enough? And that's my problem. And Bell making it public is bad. It's bad. Okay? You don't have to make it public. You don't have to even comment on it. You could just turn around and say, coach, I understand that you're trying to keep me out. I know I'm a, I know I'm a vital part of the offense, but I didn't like the way you did it. And if Adam Gaze can't handle that, well, too bad. Then Le'Veon Bell is right for doing it the professional way. But when you start whining about it on Twitter, you look like a big crybaby. You start to look like Jamal Adams because he needs all the attention. Now, now Le'Veon Bell needs the attention. For over a year, this guy was trying to repair his image, trying to be this team player and all this stuff, doing videos on, on SNY, showing all the running backs going, yeah, we're hungry, we're ready to go. And then you pull this shit. You know, like, I mean, Jesus, if you have a problem with Gase, talk about it privately. It doesn't have to be public. Yeah, there's no need for it to be out there on social media or anything like that. If you have a problem, with you, like you say, if you have a problem, just do it behind closed doors. You don't even need to know about it. And this is the last thing this team needs is more social media drama because everybody pounces on them because they look like an inept franchise every time something happens. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just the minute somebody gets hurt, it's like this franchise is pathetic. They don't know how to do this. You can't keep everybody healthy. Yeah. Think about it. Four wide receivers hurt, Clint. If we had DeAndre Hopkins right now, we'd still be in the same predicament we're in now. That's the sad part. Yes, we have an all-pro receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, but there'd be nobody else because everybody's hurt. But it's like, it's like these guys have got to stop doing this. they got to stop making these things public. The minute you keep doing that, we just run into a major problem. All right, number two, Clem, agree or disagree? Justin Wilson has completely squashed his trade value after yet another implosion on the mound. Agree. I agree. I mean, just he was coming off of uh, an injury last year, and he looked pretty good at, towards the end of the season. Started out good this year, though. Started out good, yeah. But now, you know, if you're in such a, like, we're in such a condensed season, you know, you want to see the value, people's value uh, play be consistent throughout the, these 60 games. And if you're not consistent and you're looking to make a trade for that, you know, that extra bullpen piece, and Justin Wilson isn't, isn't consistent enough, I wouldn't make a trade for him. So, yeah, I agree that he definitely squashed his trade value. I'm going to disagree, and the reason why I'm going to disagree is everybody's always looking for bullpen help. And the thing is, a guy like Justin Wilson may not get you a lot on the market, especially because he's a rental, because he's going to be a free agent after this year anyway. Um, what works against Justin Wilson, to be honest, is the fact that he has to face three batters minimum. Mm -hmm. The day of the lefty specialist is over. That's working against a guy like Justin Wilson. now. So the thing is, is that with a guy like, with the thing with the Mets is it always seems like someone new is imploding. You know, it was Familia the other day, then it was Wilson, 
Then Diaz, you know, he, Diaz had a didn't have a great game yesterday either. But I've never he's never brought, been brought in for a five out save before, which I thought was a little strange. But that's fine. What's done is done. But again, you know, so it's that. But the problem I'm having is, is that again, it's just somebody new is the is the culprit. And then people are getting mad that Seth Lugo is in the rotation, but we need Seth Lugo in the rotation now. Yeah. We absolutely positively need Seth Lugo in this rotation. Now the good news is had the I don't know if the game is is the game canceled today? I didn't see anything yet. I still haven't seen anything either. So maybe you know, I haven't even seen a lineup though either. But the thing for me is is that had the game take place today, Michael Walker was scheduled to start. He's coming back. They were taking him off the aisle. That might have been the reason why they didn't play it. Right. So. Okay. So, all right. We'll be done. I got your text. We'll be. We'll be done. Don't worry about it. Okay. No, we'll we'll try to we'll go through this quickly. Um. So, what time are we done? Seven fifteen. I set it up for. I didn't realize how long. Okay, we'll be done before that. That's fine. All right. Okay. So, getting back to what I'm saying, the fact is, is that. I think Justin Wilson still has value, even though he hasn't pitched well lately. But again, what works against him is the fact that, again, facing a three batter minimum for a lefty is not exactly ideal anymore. So the lefty specialist is done. Yeah. All right. Number three, agree or disagree. Even though he was pulled from the game early, the Islanders should still start Semyon Varlamov for game three. I agree. They definitely got to keep volley in there. I just think he needed the day off, man. Look, people don't realize, I think people are not, realizing you know maybe maybe islanders fans are but outside the island islanders played in the qualifier round these other teams that are here they didn't they didn't play in that qualifying round the islanders have been playing for how many whatever it is nine games already now it volley's tired man volley is tired man grace needed to get in there and grace looked great yeah he did look really looked really good and i mean it says a lot about the islander team for coming back from a three nothing deficit I know they lost in overtime, but they played their tails off, and you always respect that. And you notice that they're not really quitting, and that's one of the key things. They could have easily mailed it in for game two. Yeah. And lost like six to nothing, and instead they fought back. They got – and again, it shows you how good the team is, complete team. Anders Lee is scoring touches back. Beauvillier has been fantastic. Pajot has been a steal as far as I'm concerned. No first-round draft pick right now that they draft would have could, – could equal the value of Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I agree with you 100%. I think they should stick with Varlamov. He is still the hot hand. I know he had a rough game in game two. Trotz did the right thing, pulled him immediately and got him in, you know, got Grice in there. Grice played absolutely fantastic, even though, you know, they lost in overtime. But um, Varlamov should still start regardless. He is still your number one goalie. There is no reason not to start Semyon Varlamov anymore. He should not to start him. He should be your goalie every game right now. Now, in the back-to-back, it's a little different, but I don't know. My guess is give Varlamov another – definitely stick with Varlamov. And I was I was even thinking, too, like, you know, this day off – well, not day off, but, like, this postponement of games tonight kind of is a blessing in disguise for the Islanders. I was like to say, they could definitely use another day off and, you know, give – especially Varlamov that extra day off to, you know, rest, get himself together, collect himself, and be the goal we know he is. All right, number four, agree or disagree. Aaron Boone must win the World Series to keep his job. Oh, I want to say yes, but he's a, he's a good coach, man. But I've, I've seen I, he, he definitely has to win this year. There's no excuses anymore. I, yeah, I agree with you. Anymore. 
because there is no excuse. You've been to the dance each time, each year. You've been, you've gone as far as you can go, and you still can't get over the hump. You can blame it on the Astros cheating all you want, but this team is loaded. There is no reason why this team cannot cannot get to the World Series. But again, now you have Judge hurt again, Paxton's hurt, and I was talking to, you know, uh, my wife's cousin today about Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's been a good pitcher. But do you notice that he hasn't really been elite this year? He's given up 10 home runs so far this year, which is the most – he's tied for the most in the, in, the, in the major leagues or I think in the American League. I mean, that's a lot, man. And he didn't look – I mean, struck out nine guys, but he didn't look that great against the, uh, against the Braves yesterday. And I noticed he, he gets a little bit of an attitude problem. I don't know if you saw it on the mound yesterday. He didn't like the umpire not calling a strike. So he completely turned his back on the umpire when Gary Sanchez was trying to throw the ball. And then the next pitch, the guy homered. I think that was Dansby Swanson. But I'm not killing the signing by no by any stretch. He's been he's been your best pitcher, obviously. But with what the Yankees have right now, there's no reason why they shouldn't win the World Series. Exactly. And if they don't win the World Series, it just goes back to the pitching, man. The pitching, yep. the pitching was the big question mark coming on to the season. And, yeah, you can have – all the hit you can have, you can score seven runs a game if you want, but if the other team's just as just as much putting up seven runs too because your pitching isn't that good, then what's it doing for you? Yep. All right, number five. Agree or disagree? The Knicks were smart to grab Tom Thibodeau quickly as their head coach. Disagree. I I didn't I I didn't well first of all I didn't like the Tom Thibodeau signing. I think they should have went with a guy like a Mark Jackson, maybe maybe like uh, a Kenny Atkinson to someone who can build up these guys, someone who knows how to coach these young guys and develop them too. That's what the, and that's the, look, I've been, I've been preaching that the Knicks go in this direction. That I think that's the direction they need to go into. Tom Thibodeau really isn't the guy to, to do that. Tom Thibodeau is the guy to get you a guy like Chris Paul or mm-hmm. a big flashy named guy. And, but it, I just, I don't think it was, a, I don't, I still don't think it was a smart signing by the Knicks. I don't like Tom Thibodeau for the Knicks. However, the reason why I agree is because if the Knicks really wanted Tom Thibodeau, then you snatch him up right away. Mm-hmm. Because now you have other jobs that are nice and tempting. Indiana Pacers just fired Nate McMillan. The Brooklyn Nets job is always going to be exciting because of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You know, those are just a couple of the jobs right now. Philadelphia 76ers job could be enticing to tip to a guy like Thibodeau. You know, depending on what they do with that core with like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Um, it's who they wanted. I don't think he's the perfect fit for the Knicks, mainly because I don't know what the Knicks philosophy is. And young guys might tend to not be in favor of playing his style. Right. They may not like the fact that they're getting beaten down by this guy. It could ultimately kill their confidence in some ways and stuff. It'll be pretty interesting, but I, I agree that the Knicks snatched him up. I think Tom Thibodeau maybe should have waited. Mm-hmm. I think he could have made the Knicks wait a little bit to see if other jobs open up that he might want. But if he really wanted to go to the Knicks and they wanted him, then there's nothing wrong with, uh, with them grabbing him up. All right, we're going to close the show with four quick multiple choice questions as we round out this show on a Thursday night. Our next show will be Monday at 5, where we're going to be ho- we'll have uh, Gordon Damer, ESPN radio host on the show. Uh, we're very excited. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be kind of an overview of New York sports, right, with Gordon? That's why I, when I messaged him on Twitter, I told him we're going to be, I was like, we'd love to talk New York sports with you, man. Okay. All right, cool. So we'll definitely, 
we'll definitely do that. Okay, so Gordon Damer's coming on our show. We're very excited to have him on. We're looking forward to it. Once again, Clint hits it out of the park with a guest, and we're pretty psyched to have him on. Um, I know we had talked about the other day having Graham Farrell on again today. Unfortunately, it did not happen. Uh, we haven't been able to reach him. Um, he's kind of been going, uh, he's been having, he's due to a personal matter, but we are, you know, we definitely want to have Graham on again in the future and we hope to have him on again in the future. Okay, Clem, are you ready? Quick multiple choice. You fired up? I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm fired up. All right, there we go. That's the Clem I want to see with your Zack Ryder t-shirt. All right, number one. The team you would be surprised to be a buyer before Monday's deadline is A, the Mets, B, the Orioles, C, the Marlins, or D, the Blue Jays? I would say the, mm, I would say the Orioles just because I think because they're not going to get past the Rays or the Yankees. That's just a fact. No matter, what, no matter how bad the Red Sox are, or no matter how bad the Blue Jays are, they're not going to get past it. So to to buy wouldn't make any sense for the or, for the Orioles to do it. There's, and the, it does, yeah, it just really doesn't make any sense for the Orioles. You know, the Orioles are an interesting team because I, you know, they're not they're kind of falling off a little bit. They've been losing a lot more, obviously, but they play hard, man. They do. I'll give them a lot of respect because a lot of people thought they were going to be a laughing stock this year, even in a sixty game season. I mean, but they have really proven how hard they're playing. And I'm going to give Brandon Hyde a lot of credit, too, because he's done a really good job managing that team. And you see what I'm talking about with a team like them? It's that more with less type of thing. The Orioles are basically a roster that just threw a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And a lot of stuff has kind of worked out in their favor. They played well. They've won some big games. They've swept a couple of series. Those are big confidence things. You know, the thing, you know, segueing, just kind of deflecting to the Mets real quickly, it's one of the things that's kind of frustrating me about Luis Rojas. I do like him as a manager. I do think he makes good decisions overall. But the problem I have with Rojas is there's no sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a sense of urgency, then the players are going to think that everything is okay and we have plenty of time to make it up. And then, right, they, they fall short right at the very end. Right. And that's what I bother me about Rojas. Okay, I don't like the lineup, you know, changing up the lineups every day and all that stuff. There are just certain things about Rojas that have been kind of bothering me. But, you know, the fact is coming back from their COVID break where they, you know, they come back, they get, they get shut out in both ends of a doubleheader. That can't happen. And for that, I will blame Rojas because he's got to get those guys fired up again to play baseball. And they weren't. And they were terrible in both games. So as for me, um, the team that would surprise me the Blue Jays already made a trade, so they're out. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Orioles as well. I don't really think the Orioles are gonna do anything to. I think they are better equipped to sell. Maybe get rid of a guy like Michael Givens to a team that needs bullpen help. Maybe a guy like John Means who might need a back end of the rotation guy, or even a guy like Alex Cobb. Now right. the Orioles don't really have a lot of veteran hitters. Jose Iglesias is the only guy they really have. There could be a team that can use him too. I think with the Orioles, you got to stick with the plan. And the plan is right now to get younger and get better and rebuild that farm system. Yep. Let that farm system go to hell for years. It's time to start rebuilding with the youth. I don't see them making a trade. I see them more being a seller. So I definitely agree with you, Clint. All right, number two, when it comes to team decisions, fan and media opinion play, A, a major role, B, very little role, C, no role whatsoever, or D, a more than average role? 
I would say very little. Just because, you know, we're in the mecca of media and sports, so we see it on both ends. And, you know, even if you want to go back to the stuff with Manish, Manish was the only one tweeting the shit out. So we saw what Connor Rogers was seeing, Brian Costello, all these guys. We saw what the guy, and they were not saying the same thing as you. So I think that it's very little to what to what they uh, to what what the media has an impact on, and what team decisions are made. Um, I'm going to say a more than average role. Okay, I know it sounds kind of weird, but here's why. I think that not a day goes by where the owner doesn't read the papers. I think the owners read the read social media and stuff like that. I'm sure they get all that stuff. Okay. Um, I do think in a way that there is influence. I, I don't disagree with that. I think there is a little bit of fan influence. Now, the first thing fans are going to say is, well, why are they listening to us? Well, you're the assholes that go on social media and tell everybody that, oh, we got to fire Gase and we got to get rid of Sam Darnold because he sucks. I mean, listen, an owner is going to want to listen to their fans a little bit too because fans pay for the tickets. I would say if that's the case, then then Dolan would have sold the Knicks a while ago then. <laughs> yeah, listen, some more than others. But I'm saying that fan, you know, and the media too, the media chimes in with their opinion because listen, media tries to act like they're know-it-alls about everything. So in that sense, I mean, I definitely think there is some influence mm-hmm. from fans and media. And I think it's a little bit bigger than we think. I don't think it plays a major role where it's going to be the deciding factor yeah, because that's why you have a general manager. But I think that there are decisions that, especially when it comes to a coach, especially when it comes to maybe a player, a specific player that I wouldn't be surprised if the owner may listen, you know, may use fan and the media opinion as an influence besides their own influence, besides their own opinion. Of course, I don't think they read Manish Mehta and say, well, shit, if Manish says it, then it must be true. Got to fire Gase, you know? Yeah. I, but I do think they read the articles and if all the articles say the same thing, I wouldn't doubt it. If inadvertently fan and media play some kind of a role. Hmm. Number three, Clem, this NFL team in 2020 is expected to be the new sexy pick for the playoffs. A, the Cleveland Browns, B, the Denver Broncos, C, the Arizona Cardinals, or D, the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to say the Broncos. A, B, the Broncos. Good pick, actually. I agree. Just because of the fact that you saw they reamped their offense up major this past season. You know, they brought in Melvin Gordon. They drafted uh, Jerry Judy. Drew Locke looks like he's taking. He's going to take the next steps next season. So does uh, uh, Cortland Sutton. Their offense is set in stone, and the defense is not bad as long as you still have Von Miller still there. I think Chris Harris is still on that defense. Yep. And uh, Brandon Marshall, a middle linebacker. You still have a solid defense there with the the Broncos. The only problem is with the Broncos, the Chiefs are in the way. The Chiefs are going to. The Chiefs are going to in the way. I mean, the Broncos may be just as good as the Raiders, you know, like, I mean, the Broncos might have a better defense though. Yeah. So it's going to, but I do of those four teams, you know, we know Cleveland, they, Cleveland's not going to be anything until they can actually prove something to us. The Colts, we don't know what, what we're going to see out of Phillip Rivers this season. And who was the other team you said? Uh, the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cardinals. I'm not, I'm not big on the Cardinals this year, just because I want I need to see more from Kyle Murray Oh, you play Kingsbury? Look, I like Kingsbury, man. You know that. You know I wish he was the head coach of the Jets, but I that's besides the point. 
But, you know, I need to see more from Colin Murray this year. Everyone's predicting him as next Russell Wilson. And rightfully so. I mean, he, he's a great quarterback, but I need to see more out of him this year. We don't know what we're going to see out of DeAndre Hopkins. And the defense could be a little shaky now that Buda Baker just got paid. For all we know, and we've seen it multiple time and time again, once players get paid, they're, they're, they're like, you know what? Screw this. I got paid. That's it. I'm done. You know, we, we, we don't know. Until they prove to me otherwise, because I've been reading a lot of like what some what writers and media guys say, I think the sexy pick for the playoffs once again this year is going to be the Cleveland Browns because everybody seems to love them. Everybody thinks Baker Mayfield is going to have a career year under Kevin Stefanski, who likes to run the ball more than pass. Not to mention with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, they signed Austin Hooper, they have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I mean, just to, you know, they're pretty loaded on offense. They signed Jack Conklin, you know, um, Adam Shine loves the Cleveland Browns this year, just like he loved them last year and they weren't very good. And I think it's just going to be again, because the talent is all there. But here's the thing about people in general. Let's get the Browns into the playoffs first. Better yet, let's get the Browns to 500. Yes. We start labeling them a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender and this and that, because they play in a tough division. Baltimore twice a year, Pittsburgh twice a year. And with Roethlisberger back, Pittsburgh is a different team. Yep. Cincinnati is going to be a better team with Joe Burrow, with Joe Mixon, with Tyler Boyd, with T. Higgins. The Browns are going to have to get through all those teams. It's not going to be as easy as everybody thinks it is. And everybody thought last year they were going to be this elite team, and they weren't good at all. Mayfield took a major step back last year. Yeah, exactly. Three is going to be a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. I don't disagree with that at all. No, you're absolutely right. And let's, yeah, like you said, let's get the Browns to 500 first. And that's why, like, I like the, I don't, I don't hate this Browns team, but I do think they're a little overrated. I think, first of all, I think Odell Beckham is the most overrated player in the NFL. That's besides the point. But they haven't, with teams like the Steelers, with Ben, Big Ben back, really, the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league. They, they have a great offense with Roethlisberger, Connor, and Juju Smith-Schuster. The Ravens, we all know what the Ravens are. Yep. And, the, and again, the Bengals, they have to face these teams six times throughout the year. You know? and, and honestly, you can easily mark – it would be tough, but you could say you, they could get swept by the Ravens and Steelers easily this year, I think. Yeah, that's two, you know, that's two losses each right there, four losses. I mean, like, I don't really know how good the Browns are going to be. I just don't. And it's a new offense that Baker has to learn. It's a new offense. Does the offense fit Odell Beckham Jr.? Is he going to start bitching and complaining the second he doesn't get the ball? Same thing with Jarvis Landry. Is Jarvis Landry going to bitch and complain when he doesn't get the ball? These are things we don't know. This is the unknown. And from what I'm reading about Kevin Stefanski, he likes to run the ball. So that could be good for a guy like Nick Chubb. All right, last one, number four. The player that Yankee fans most likely want to trade due to a bad season is A, Gary Sanchez, B, J.A. Happ, C, Aaron Judge, D, all of the above. Oh, this one's tough a little bit. This one's a little tough because they, I feel like Yankee, logical Yankee fans, they might see the get, they might be able to get something out of, Gary Sanchez still no matter how bad he's been playing it's like you know it's still Gary Sanchez you know you could probably still get something out of here him. Right. Jay Happ on the other hand you you might not get anything out of Jay Happ you know you might get a uh you might get a, an extra guy to turn the hot dogs over in, in, at the Nathan stand mm-hmm. but I think if I had if I had this if I had to pick I would go with Jay Happ who they'd rather see traded between the two of those the other guys 
Uh, I say all of the above. I don't want and the, and the funny thing is, is like I the reason why I say that, well, Gary Sanchez has been out brutal, and I think Yankee fans have wanted to get rid of him for a while. He doesn't play his position well, and on top of that, he's not hitting. And that's another thing. J.A. Happ has had a bad season, and now he's causing a little bit of a rift because he's he thinks the Yankees are trying to hold him back from getting his money, mm-hmm. incentives and stuff with player performances. And I think the Yankee fans are really getting tired of Aaron Judge getting hurt all the time. This guy's always hurt. And he came nope. back to the DL the other day, and he got hurt again. Yeah, that's the thing with judges, though. You know, like, yeah, he gets hurt all the time. And Yankee fans, they might be fed up with it, but that's still their boy. You know, that's like no – it's, it's still their boy, but the fact is is, is that even the, the most diehard judge fan is going to be frustrated with the fact that he keeps getting hurt mm-hmm. and he keeps missing time. He's back for one game. He has calf tightness already. You might have to go back on the aisle. You see what I mean? It's just like after a while, when is enough enough? When do you cut the cord? No, I, I agree with you on that. A big money contract when you know that he barely plays a season. Yeah. Even in a 60 game season, he can't play a full season. I mean, in a 60 game season, he can't play a full season. I mean, that's bad. And I don't know if that's just the Yankees with the way they handle injuries or it's judge, but he is literally glass Joe. He's becoming, he's not even becoming anymore. He officially is Glass Joe. But all three of these guys, like this is an example of a Yankees trade, ready? Excluding Judge. Okay, we want to get Francisco Lindor. So we'll trade you Gary Sanchez, J.A. Happ, and Tyler Wade to get Francisco Lindor. And then you look at all the averages and you see exactly why they want to trade those guys. Mm-hmm. You know? But, I mean, to be honest, though, I don't blame them because Gary Sanchez has been on this team long enough, and I don't think he's been as good as everybody made him out to be. Right. He can't play his position. He's a terrible catcher. He's the eighth point. The thing is, Hap showed some flashes when he, when he got traded to the Yankees, but he hasn't been good since. And, again, Judge, he, no one doubts the power. No one doubts the raw talent, you know, the talent and everything. But, man, this guy just can't stay healthy. And if you can't stay healthy, what do they always used to say in football? You can't make the club if you're in the tub. Yeah. The best situation with Aaron Judge. The best ability is availability. There you go, Clem. Don't don't trump my freaking <laughs> say. Right? It's your network. It's my damn show. <laughs> All right, everybody. Look, that's gonna do it for us on this Thursday night edition of the Moffat on the Mic show again. Follow me on Twitter at Moff on the Mic. I'm Malfit on the mic, Instagram at Malfit on the mic on my Facebook page as well. Follow the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You know, these are really, really crazy times right now. Just stay safe out there wherever you are, you know, just, but always, always, always respect the boys in blue because they, like we said, they protect us every day. They save a, you know, they protect us from harm. And that's the most important thing you need to take out of that. One bad cop does not spoil the whole bunch. That's the way I look at it. That's the way Klim looks at it. But always respect what they do. I have some good friends that are police officers, and I value what they do every day of their lives. They work there. You know, all they want to do is do their job, uphold the law to the best of their ability, call it a day, and go home to their family, go home to their girlfriends, whatever it is. So always respect the boys in blue. I know it's kind of a weird time right now, but we should never pigeonhole the entire police force police forces all over the country just because of one incident, one isolated incident. It should never happen. You should never do that. So always respect the boys in blue. 
for the job they do, as well as just respect everybody, love, love everybody. You know, I, I know it sounds kind of weird and, you know, creepy, but at the same time, it's, it's an important message. And, you know, we, we shouldn't be doing this right now. I mean, we shouldn't, it's amazing that we still can't get over this racial injustice. We, we just cannot fix this problem to this day. And that's just what makes it very bad. You know, stay out of trouble. If you're out, again, wear your mask, you know, for COVID. It's, you know, again, another thing we just can't get, seem to get out of our own way on. But, you know, stay safe out there wherever you are, guys. We're back Monday, five o'clock right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page with Gordon Damer from ESPN Radio. Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. And again, subscribe to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. On behalf of Clem, I am Craig. Everybody, wherever you are, have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. And we'll be back on Monday, again, 5 o'clock, right here on the Facebook A1 Sports Network with special guest Gordon Damer from ESPN Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody.